This podcast is brought to you by absolutely no one. The Bald and the Beautiful Podcast with Dave Vella. Who the hell is Dave Vella? Welcome to the podcast, beautiful people. It's Dave Ellie here. How are you going? My guest today, well, he's a very colourful character indeed. He's lived over a thousand lives, you might say. Once a celebrity hairdresser and fashion designer behind the very popular label Buddhist Punk, he has lived in London, New York, Madrid and Bali, just to name a few of the places around the world he's been and lived. A reformed heroin addict, he, uh, he clinically died twice, do you believe? He's now a dad to four kids with three different lovely ladies, and he gets his highs today from having a good surf and helping people suffering with a variety of things from everything from depression to cancer. He is at the forefront of the medicinal cannabis movement here in Australia, and he pushes the limits, he pushes the legal boundaries every day uh, in, in regards to supply to assist these people who are in need. He released a documentary late last year, 2019, called Green Light, which will give you some more insight into the work that he and his partner have been doing with uh, the likes of children, the elderly, even animals basically helping relieve their suffering and providing a much better quality of life. He's a colourful character. He's a great man. I loved having a chat to him. Please welcome my beautiful guest, Nick Morley. Wasn't the first state in America to legalise medicinal marijuana and actually legalise marijuana in general was... Colorado, Colorado, and they've just they've just legalised psilocybin. Yes, and they're doing research with psilocybin. Now. Yes, yeah. So they'll be at the forefront of all that. Yep. I um, was pretty interested to know that Colorado real estate went through the roof as soon as they legalised marijuana over there. Let's yeah. say cannabis. Yeah, marijuana. we don't. Marijuana is a slang funny term. word. It's hasn't slang it? term. Yeah, it's 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 actually kind of a derogatory term. And this is what I wanted to ask you because in the in the sixties. Marijuana use went through, started coming, cannabis use started mm-hmm. to, to rise, right? And then we got into things like uh, the war, the Vietnam War, yep. which saw even more increase in cannabis due to the protesting side of stuff, the youth culture. You go into the 70s, you get the hippies. Yep. Now, has marijuana or cannabis got a bad reputation? I think it has got a bad rap. And I think, um, I think it's, uh, I, th- I don't think it's justified. I think that, um, you know, people, people can have great results with medicinal cannabis or people can have a really bad time with it as well. Yeah. It doesn't suit everyone. Yeah. You know, and especially if you take too much, it can be fucking heavy. Well, because but when you smoke cannabis, yeah. it's a different effect to having it as a edible. Absolutely. Right? And having oil on your tongue or in your mouth, that's going to be the same effect as an edible, correct? Yeah which means it's more psychoactive because it's also going through the liver. Is that correct? That's true, but um, the most effective way to take it is to vaporise it. Oh, okay. Yeah, you get the... You get the best uptake is yeah is through uh, through vaporising. Yeah. And it's it's the most efficient and it's the fastest. So, like, for people that are suffering from chronic pain, um, a puff on a vape pen or a smoke on a joint 
is pretty much immediate. Yep. As far as helping you, you know, deal yep. with that pain, or if you're um, suffering from seizures or uh, tremors due to Parkinson's or conditions like that, yep. um, if you vaporise it, it literally can stop it in its tracks like within within a minute or two. Whereas if you're taking oils or having edibles, depending on how you're much you've had hour, and what you've eaten, yeah, up. you're looking yeah. at an hour, an hour and a half uptake. Yep. So, you know. Um, vaporizing but the, the problem there lies that vaping's had such a bad rap lately yeah yeah it has because there's so much mm. shit and you know and, and justifiably so I mean the vape uh, scene going on amongst the kids is uh, quite alarming mm. and I'm not talking about vaping medicinal cannabis I'm talking about these fucking lollipop flavors that yeah, they've yeah. got going on yeah you know you see these kids walking down the street thinking they're fucking dragons or something yeah yeah <laughs> and it's um yeah and, and really there hasn't been enough research into what sort of damage that is doing to yeah. to the lungs you yeah. know I mean fuck, it can't be good I mean burning a uh Burning a candle, a fragrance candle with all these cheap fragrances that are in there is completely toxic. Mm. You imagine what it's like when you're breathing that shit mm. into your lungs. Yeah, because they, they, they're getting the flavour, they're getting that lolly flavour, whether it's apple or some sort of fruit <sighs> or some sort of cinnamon. And yeah, it's fucking gross. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just don't get it. But, um, but you know, th there are, um, you know, really good extraction ways now for, um, for cannabis and, um, um, it is a very safe um, way to take it. How did you... Yeah. I mean, you, you've had a pretty big life. You've, you, you were a hairdresser. Yep. Hairstylist. You got into fashion. You, you, the Buddhist punk label, I think you started in the late 90s. Yep. Became huge. Yep. Supermodels were wearing it. Rock stars were wearing it. Footy stars. Footy stars were wearing <laughs> it. I mean, that's, that's crazy. And now you become this medicinal cannabis crusader, if you like. How, yeah. does, how does that happen? Well, I don't know. I've, I've moved around a lot. I, um, yeah, look, so I started hairdressing when I was 15. Um, I left school at a really early age. I left school halfway through year 10. Um, didn't where, like, where, did you, where did you grow up, Sydney? I grew up in Melbourne. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So I went to a couple of schools. I wasn't great at school. I had a real, real problem with, uh, with concentrating. I'm really ADD. Mm -hmm. So ADHD. Is that right? ADHD. Yeah. <laughs> there's ADD, there's ADHD. <laughs> anyway, I have problems concentrating and focusing on things. Yeah. Um, and that was, just, I found school really difficult. Um, I've always been a creative person. Anyway, I started hairdressing purely because I wanted to be around lots of girls. Yeah. Um, and I thought, you know, if I, how do I surround myself with pretty girls? Work in a hairdressing salon. So that's what I did. And um, I worked out by the age of like 21 that I was salon life was not for me, yeah. but the girls were. So I became, um, I wanted to be a freelance hairstylist and makeup yeah. artist and work on shoots. So then I, uh, I learned makeup and um, I, started, um, I started off my career as a freelancer and um, I had a pretty successful career. I mean, I did my first Vogue cover, my only Vogue cover when I was like, I think I was about 24, 25 That's years pretty big age. news. Yeah, you know, I did well and I traveled, um, I traveled to Europe. I worked in uh, Italy, Spain, Greece, uh, UK, uh, did some time back here and then ended up in New York, Miami and New York. And um, I had a, you know, I had a seven year career in the States and I did really well there. Worked with a lot of the top people and made good money. Met my first wife, Claire, there. We, um, and but I'd always had this love affair with Bali because yeah. I'd been going to Bali ever since I was like yeah. 17. 
So I, um, the moment we started making some money, I just I kept saying, let's go to Bali, let's go to Bali. So you would have first, because you're about my age, we're at the same age, so you would have gone 52. to Bali. Yeah, I'm 51 this year, coming yeah. up, actually next month, jeez. Yeah. But um, if you went to Bali at 17, that would have been, because I went to Bali at 16, so about 85, 86. Yep. Yep. I went to Ubud and it was literally just one dirt road. Yep. That was it. Devil. Back then, uh, back then, Legion and the road to Kuta wasn't wasn't made. Yeah, it was all, and it was a really cool scene back then in Bali. It was, you know, it was more hippie sort of mm. travellers yep. and, you know, pirates and drug smugglers <laughs> and all kinds of really interesting people. <laughs> jewel thieves. <laughs> yeah, jewel smugglers. I knew people that smuggled gold, smuggled drugs, all kinds of stuff. You know, um, and it was a really alternative um, kind of hippie hippie yep. style. Yep. You know. And, you know, back then it used to attract, you know, Bowie and, you know, Jagger and all the, you know, all the rock stars used yeah. to go there. It was really interesting. And then, uh, fuck, it's changed so much now, though. Like, it's attracted a really, really, like, weird crowd It's now. become a different place, isn't it? it? Absolutely. I lived in Changu for um, uh, 10 years, and um, I can't recognise my old neighbourhood. Yeah. And the people that go there, you know? Yeah. It's become, you know... Uh, um, Boob jobs, lip jobs, and, yeah. <laughs> and lots of tattoo sleeves, and Russians, and it's just a really weird. I loved thing. I loved Bali so much that after my first visit when I was sixteen, I ended up going back again when I was nineteen. I think I took my girlfriend over there for a for a birthday present because mm. it was cheap as back then. You could go over there for next to nothing. Yeah, two or three bucks a night. I yeah, pay. and then I ended up I got married in Bali. Yeah, me too. That's how much I did. Oh, <laughs> I loved it. It was such an awesome place. But yeah. I haven't been back since I got married yeah. and divorced. Um, but yeah, it has definitely become a strange place, but so has Byron. Byron's become a, a different place to what it was 15, 20 years ago. Social media has ruined the planet. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, you know, in one way it's been amazing, in another way it's just completely fucked it. Yeah. You know, nothing's secret anymore. No. You know, everyone knows everything, yeah. everyone posts everything. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, oh, Byron looks great. You know, everyone's posting pictures of Byron, so everyone wants to come in Byron. <laughs> Same thing happened in Changu. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, social media, you know, destroyed it for for what I loved about it. But at the same time, you know, like it's it's still a really amazing place. I think they're absolutely struggling at the moment there. Yeah, well, like everywhere is, I suppose. We're yeah, all. How, think, how are you going with all this COVID stuff? Yeah, good. I'm um, I've got a uh, <laughs> I've got a pretty strong view about it all. I uh, I want to before I get into it, I want to be respectful to the people that have already. Um, deceased um, you know I, and you look at Italy and you look at uh, America and the amount of people that have sort of you know passed away there I think it's been really really frightening but um, you know if you look at the figures um, in some places it's less dangerous than the flu mm. um, and in Australia I think it's still under a hundred people have died from yeah, it. I think it is I think last year more people died from the flu mm. is it worth shutting down the economy and destroying you know, destroying hundreds of thousands or millions of lives? Mm. No, I don't think so. And, and, and I might have this wrong, but I don't know, has there ever been another time when we've had this sort of problem where we've had to isolate people that were healthy? You know, normally you isolate unhealthy people, yeah, you isolate the sick, but we're, we're, we're making people who are fit and well and healthy stay in the confines of their own home. Yeah, which I don't, um, I don't agree with. Mm. Um, and, and not only that, but, you know, now we're in a situation where our government is trying to force vaccinations on us. Mm. And, you know, look, I'm not, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. Um, 
I've actually got, you know, I've got four children. Three of them have been vaccinated. And the, my, the last one, my little boy, he hasn't been vaccinated. And uh, reading through what goes into these vaccines, I, I couldn't do it to him mm, now. Mm. Um, um, saying that, you know, my other three have all been vaccinated and they're all incredibly healthy. But, you know, I, I think that we all deserve the right to have a choice of mm. what we put in our bodies. Yeah, they're taking away our choice, aren't they? They're taking away our yep. choices. And that fucking scares the shit out of me. Yep. You know, I we've got to stand up to that. Well, it's like, and, and I'm sort of reminded a little bit of when 9-11 happened. Yeah. And, I mean, there's a lot of theories around that, and I'm not here to say, was it a conspiracy theory, blah, blah, blah. There's, there's stuff around it, and the world changed after it. Mm-hmm. We changed the way that we travel. We changed the, rate, the way that security operates in every sense of the word. Yep. And now this sort of feels the same. Whether it's a conspiracy, whether you want to think that, whether you want to think it's not, the point is... It's all going to change. Yeah, our civil li- our civil rights and our civil li- liberties are literally disappearing in front of our eyes. Yeah, and if we don't all get together and stand up and call the government out on it, we are going to be. I think in a couple of years' time, we're going to be mm. fucked. You know, I mean, you look at this. You know, they're they're trying to they're forcing uh, these NRL guys into getting flu shots. I mean, there is no proof to prove that a flu shot is going to save you from, you know, COVID-19. There is no fucking proof. Well, isn't it? It's done a flu shot. It's, there's not even a guarantee that the flu shot will work against the flu. They're only I, guessing what they put into the flu shot to come up against what they think absolutely. may be the flu. I think it's like 30%. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, if, and you read what's going into these flu shots, it's fucking horrible. I mean, mm. they're injecting you with poison. Yeah. So I've never had a flu shot. Uh, you know, I've had a flu. Like, I got, I got a flu... Two years ago, that, fuck, I thought I was going to die. Mm. It was like, it was heavy. But, you know, I think what I've got out of this, um, which has been really good for me, and I've, I've, you know, I'm pretty active on social media and I've sort of been quite outspoken about it, is, look, everyone's got to look after themselves. You know, you've got to take your own health into your own hands. And, you know, I, I don't think that, you know, as, as a country, we're really that healthy. You know, there are mm. so many great supplements out there on the market that you can take to keep your so strong and you you know exercise get some sun stay happy stay focused stay positive you know you'll you'll beat it i mean i reckon that's one of the biggest things that come out of this whole covid thing yeah is the more people i talk to i I hear from people that they're spending more time with their family they're spending more time on their own personal health by going for walks on the beach from training by themselves meditating so i think that's the good thing to come out of all this crap yeah and um I'm really uplifted by that, yep. but as as you mentioned, there's a lot of shit that's coming out of it, mm-hmm. and it's the um, the the removal of our civil li- our civil liberties. Yeah, I think um, I I worry for my kids mm. um, being able to uh, being able to travel and move around the planet, mm. you know, as freely as what I did. You know, yep. like I've filled three passports. You know, I've, uh, I've been around and yeah. I would love my kids to be able to have that option, but I don't think they're going to be able to, you know, yeah, not I as mean, freely. Yeah, no way. I mean, I've, from, from the news, the bad news that I've been reading, you know, they're saying that, you know, this is going to affect overseas air travel so severely that, you know, mm. you, there's, there's talk that you will not be able to enter countries unless you've been vaccinated. Yeah. Um, or you've done this, you've done that. And, and you know, like how are, how are the airports going to make money out of if everyone's doing social distancing, how are planes going to be able to mm. afford to fly? Like, is the price going to go up by three or four times? Yeah. You know, I reckon it will, yeah. you know, and I think, you Which know, changes it to who can afford to actually yeah. have these experiences in life. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I reckon, um, 
I reckon there's going to be a big market in black market travel. <laughs> I'm saving up for a pirate ship and I'm just going to start. Someone's got to invent time travel and, and like portals and things like that so we can get around that way. Yeah. Look, I reckon there's so much amazing technology out there that they're just holding on to. Anyway, it'll be really interesting to see what, what happens. But yeah, like, like we both agreed on there, our, um, our civil rights and our you know, right to choose has been taken away from us and yeah. we need to stand up to them and we need to, you know, we need to be all need to be heard. Yeah. So, you know, sign petitions, send letters to your to your prime minister. I've just sent a I've just sent a letter to the prime minister, you know, a document, you know, which is registered mail saying, hey, you know, if anything happens to me, if you force me to be vaccinated, anything happens to me, you're liable. Yeah. Well, wow. so, you know, let's see how that how, goes. How, does, how does that hold up? Oh, well, let's see. You know, there's, a, there's actually a company, um, Empowerment Solutions, I think they're called. Yeah. Um, and uh, you make a donation of 10 bucks and they do all the paperwork for you. And okay. you, it goes out to uh, your MP, to the Prime Minister, to the Health Minister. Because you know what? We've got to call them out on this. Mm. You know? I think um, a lot of this stuff with our government, where people are fearful of the government. Yeah. Like, we're fearful of the government. We think that we don't have the voice to actually say something to the government. We think that they're, in, they're making decisions and, and we're powerless over here, but it's actually designed to be the other way around. It's designed to be that they're we've, we've got us. the power yeah. and we should be voicing opinions and, and things that we're against and what we need and what we want, but people, it seems like people are afraid. Yeah, they are. Well, they've taken away our right to demonstrate as well. I mean, did yeah. you see that, you know, that lady with her kid the other day getting locked up for walking down the street with a placard. Oh, wow. You know, I mean, they tore her kid away from her and they arrested her and, and, oh, yeah, so and locked her up. It was absolutely yeah. horrific. And they, they manhandled her. Mm. She's suing the police force and she's suing each one of those police policemen and yeah. policewomen. She's suing them all. Un- unfortunately, you know? the, the police don't have a... I don't think the police have a handle on on our own civil liberties no. and how they're meant to interact with us. Yep. Um, I remember years ago, the, the police were called the police force. Do you remember that? They yep. used to be called the police force and they changed it to police service. Yep. And that was meant to be A, a PR thing, um, but also to remind people that they're not meant to be a force against us. They're meant to be a service for us. They're, they're meant to serve and protect us. Yeah. You know, that's what their duty and their job is. What, how were they serving and protecting anyone the other day by locking up this woman and tearing, traumatising her five-year-old child? Yeah. Like, it was absolutely horrific. Um, You know, and when people see that and people watch that on TV or on YouTube or wherever it is, you know, it makes them them be scared of of, of actually Mm. standing up and and using their voice. You know, like, you know, so many people would look at that and go, I'm not going to go and demonstrate if they're going to lock me up. Mm. You know, where you should be able to walk out there and say you, say what you believe. Mm. The other thing too is that, you know, like this, all this censoring um, on Facebook and YouTube and Instagram, you know. I mean, you know, one thing COVID's done is it's divided us. Mm. You know, there are people that believe that there is some sort of conspiracy going on and then there are the others that, you know. Think, and they're hardcore each way, aren't they? Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, um, I think I've been unfriended so many times on Facebook <laughs> in the last couple of weeks. I don't give a fuck about you know, see you later. But, um, you know, I, I believe that, um, you know, I believe in freedom of speech. And I think that, you know, it's all, uh, our freedoms are dissolving. Mm. They're being taken away from us. Mm. Yeah. And 
That's, I mean, look, everyone's noticed how much our freedom has been taken away with, with the COVID thing. Mm. Um, and we are operating out of that fear. Like, as you said, that lady that um, got arrested with a kid. But I think everyone's fear, everyone's fearful of saying the wrong thing, saying it out of land. We've become such a, a politically correct world of how you can speak to people mm. that no one feels safe to actually express what they honestly feel. Yeah. Which for is for such, fear of retribution. Yeah, it's such a shame. Um, but social media is allowing people to come out and say some really stupid and fucked up things. Yep. And this is that thing we we're talking about. The social media is good on one hand, but it's dangerous it's on another. Dangerous on the other hand. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been, I've, I've had people call me out for posting. Like, I posted the um, that video of the um, that scientist, Dr. Mikovits. Oh yeah, Mikovitz. I saw something on that. Yeah. 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 You know, where she was interviewed, and you know. Um, you know, I had people calling me out saying, you know, I'm, it's, uh, what I'm doing is dangerous, you know, mm. by promoting that sort of thing, where actually I completely disagree. I think, you know, I think there's, everyone should be investigating into what is really going on mm. right now because it just doesn't all, it doesn't all add up. Yeah. It really doesn't. Laurie was very upset with me. Was he? I think, I think I'm the only one. I'm the only one that Laurie hasn't unfriended. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Laurie. <laughs> well, that's He's, how. He still wants to go surfing with me. Oh, good old Laurie. Yeah. And now tell me, it, it seems like that you've been a bit of a rebel your whole life. Like you've been, you've been always one to buck the establishment to sort of create your own groove, and. Obviously, that seems to be what's led you towards this medicinal cannabis sort of crusading, would you say? Yeah. Yeah. I, I suppose I, I need to be careful how I say this, but basically my belief is that, um, is that the whole medicinal cannabis movement is a really important, vital way for the world to go forward in for the, for the fact that it's a really safe um, medicine and it helps so many people for so many different reasons. Can I just interrupt there for a sec? Because yeah. there, there's a lot of people, and myself was included, we don't quite understand why THC, medicinal cannabis and CBD, why that is such important, so important as a medicine, okay? And I think it is, and I only realized this recently, was how we have, how do you say that word? Cannabinoid. Cannabinoid, that's a hard word to say after a few scotches. It, learned, it took me 20 guys. Yeah, <laughs> cannabinoid. <laughs> We've got those receptors in our body. We do. We've got receptors in different parts of our body, in our liver, in our blood, everywhere. in our bone, everywhere. Everywhere. All and mammals do. All mammals do. And pe- oh, I don't think a lot of people know that. A lot of people just think, oh, there's a bunch of old hippies pushing medicinal cannabis because you get stoned, you feel good, and you're not feeling the pain. But that's bullshit. It's, it's, We're born to receive it. Yeah. It's in our DNA. And there was an Israeli professor that discovered the whole endocannabinoid system in the body in the yep. 90s yep. and realised that, shit, this is actually stuff that we need and our body needs to make our body function normally. Absolutely. And pre-1930, it was part of our diet. So hemp was one of the most grown plants on the planet. Yep. It was grown everywhere for many different reasons. I mean, the first, uh, the first ship, the first fleet arriving in Australia 
correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure this is true. Uh, the, the British Navy, whenever they travelled, they always had botanists with them and they always had a team or a crew that knew how to grow hemp mm. because hemp was the way that they got around. Wow. Right? Because hemp's used for everything. Well, yeah, you can't make a sail without hemp. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so hemp was powering these boats to get around. Well, the wind was powering. But yeah. Without the hemp sails to catch that wind, they would never have got here. Mm. So, you know, there's that. that's an amazing fact just for that. Yeah. But then when they arrived, they they turned up with seeds, right? Because if they tore sails on their journey and they needed to stop and, you know, grow more hemp so that they could actually, you know, make get more sails, yeah. they'd get travelling again. But they bought the wrong seeds here and they bought a strain that was like really high in THC. Because <laughs> there's no THC in, in hemp. Well, there is a little bit. Okay. Yeah, under like, under half a percent. Okay. Yeah. Because um, a lot of people, and, and myself included, I'm a, I'm a novice and all this sort of stuff. I mean, I have smoked and I have done oils and... But I'm a novice knowing how it all affects the body. And from what I understand, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, hemp is a different plant in essence to cannabis. Is that correct? Yeah. So it's all in the same, it's all in the same, same family. family. Yeah. Yeah. So, and there are many different types of hemp as well. Yep. But like, for instance, cannabidiol, which is CBD, which is the, you know, is the hot ticket that everyone's talking about. And, you know, there's a good reason for that because it's such a great product and everyone really should be taking it. Um, CBD um, uh, is exists in industrial hemp, you know. So, mm. uh, like, the CBD that I prefer that, you know, if I was going to recommend it to anyone, comes from, a, it comes from an industrial hemp plant, which is about 22% CBD and under half a percent THC. Now... If it didn't have the THC in it, it wouldn't be effective, right? Yeah. So that's a really interesting thing. Mm. You know, like you, you hear about all these products or, you you know, people talk about, you know, getting CBD that has no THC in it. Yeah. It's not effective. It doesn't work. No. So Nowhere. It's... Well, it, it, it does something, but it doesn't work anywhere nearly as well as it would if it had the THC with it. Okay. Yeah. It's Cause... what they call the entourage effect. Yeah. Are people just afraid of being... As we said, cannabis has a really bad rep, you know, and it's, and it's been around for a long time. It, it's, it's, it's sort of in there with the youth culture. It's in there with rebellion. It's in there with, you know, you hear it all the time, pot smoking, bludgers, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's been abused. It's been abused. Yeah, now, I agree. And so it's gotten a bad name, and I feel like that's also what's given the whole medicinal cannabis a bad name. But really, it's, it's different. There are different people wanting it, different people using it, people using it for different things. Um, what I did discover, which I found really interesting, was that cannabis was federally outlawed in 1926. Yep. And in 2016, they introduced this narcotics bill, which allowed for the use of medicinal cannabis. But from what I'm getting, there's been a massive pushback from, like, say, politicians, from doctors, from the public, on really getting it out there and giving people who need it the access that they need safely and enough of it to help them heal yeah i don't think it's the public pushing back okay i think it's um i think and i you know i don't this is not a conspiracy theory i think this is real i think the pharmaceutical lobbyists mm. and the pharmaceutical companies have been stalling the process for years yeah you know because it doesn't serve them mm. um, i'm not sure if you're aware of this but australia produces i think 60 uh i think it's around 60 percent or 70 percent 
of the um, of, of the world's legal opium supply. Get out. Yeah. So wow. Tasmania is one fucking huge poppy farm, <laughs> and there's only two or three companies down there that basically own it all. Big pharmaceutical companies. So yeah, so you know all the oxycontins and you know all those opioid yep. drugs—they're all made out of you know Australian-grown opium, wow. or a lot of them. And that's big business in Australia. Well, the government's making money on it. Aren't they're they? making a lot of money, mm. and you know, and I think that they're they're a bit blinded by that because one thing's for sure is that as medicinal cannabis becomes more available, people will steer away from opioids because. In, in, in a lot of situations, they're more effective. Don't get me wrong, there's definitely um, opiates, there's definitely a, a place to them. Like if you get, you know, you get run over and, you know, an ambulance turns up and you're lying on the side of the road with a fucking broken leg, you're not going to want to have a vape on a, <laughs> on, a, on a pen, you know, or yeah, a few drops of THC. Yeah, yeah. You want a fucking opium, you, know, yeah. you want a morphine shot right yeah, there and right there. Now, thank and you that's going to send you into this, yeah. you know, place where you can, you won't even feel that pain. Yeah. Cannabis can't do that. But the, but the opioids are addictive. They are. Absolutely. Super addictive. You hear this? Look, I don't, I, don't know, I don't think we're as bad as America, but you hear all these things about endone, oxycodone, and all this sort it. of stuff. I was a heroin addict for, okay. you know, yeah, I've, I've, I've had my battles with, with opiates a long time ago. You know, I've yeah. been clean for 23 years. I know all about it. It's, yeah, they're incredibly addictive. Is THC, is medicinal cannabis addictive in any way, shape or form? Yep, I think I think when it's abused, it can become addictive. Absolutely, okay. you know, you hear of teenagers getting, you know, getting into the bongs and just sitting in their room smoking all day long. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, they are becoming addicted to it. Yeah, you know, and I think. Um, but there's also with with teenagers. There's also the other stuff that goes on with them. There, you know, like like I've smoked pot and I've gone out in the garden, and mm. I've done awesome stuff in the garden. Mm. I've smoked pot and painted. I've smoked pot and written songs and played guitar. You know, like I think all this stuff can, my, my view is it can open up your mind to other things yep. if you allow it to. But if you want to smoke pot and go and sit in a room with your mates and play video games all day and you do that day after day after day. Yeah, it's not good for it's, you. That's not fucking good. No, no, not at all. Yeah, I mean, look, to be honest with you, I actually don't, um, I, I, I very rarely um, use cannabis in the daytime. Mm. Um, I find it... Um, I find it difficult to be able to focus and get a lot done. Yeah, okay. Um, I, you know, I end up turning into a bit of a clown when I'm, when I'm stoned. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I try and avoid it in the daytimes, which is pretty difficult in my job too, because, you know, like I'm constantly trying new products and, yeah. you know, experimenting with yeah. stuff. So, you know, shit does go a little bit crazy <laughs> now and then. I think it's important to know what that feels like when yeah. you're, you know, you're giving people advice as well. Yeah. You know, one thing for sure is that people that come to me and ask me for help and advice with medicinal cannabis, I would say 70% of them have never tried cannabis in their life. And I would say more than half of that would be, you know, uh, men and women over the age of 60. Well, that's a big, that's a big thing, especially considering from the stats that I had a look at from what they've done on, on people over the age of 14 in Australia, yep. they're saying that at least 35% of people yep. have tried cannabis at some stage. Yeah, they have. Go for it. Yeah, hang on a sec. Gonna... Do I need to take that off? No, no one heard that. <laughs> <laughs> take it off. Yeah, go for it. I'm fucking dying for a while. I'll sit here and amuse myself for a moment. Like... All right, we're back on. 
Short pause for a good cause. Yo. Yep. And uh, you brought back a cup of tea too, which is good. What am I drinking, by the way? It's love. <laughs> it's called love, the yeah. tea. Are you serious? Yeah. But what's in what's in love? I made love for you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to know what you put in there. <laughs> no, it's just a cup of tea. Beautiful. Love it. Yeah. Um, hey, earlier we were chatting about addiction. You were a heroin addict. Tell me about that. Yeah. So um, in my 20s, um, when I moved to Spain, I got... Um, I got introduced to uh, uh, heroin and, and <laughs> cocaine. But um, yeah, I, um, I ended up using um, heroin. Um, oh, I was just mucking around with it and smoking it in Spain. And then, you know, I came back to Australia and ended up, you know, shooting it up. And, you know, I sort of battled with it off and on for about three years. Um, OD'd a couple of times, clinically dead wow. once. Um, did that make you stop? Uh, Obviously not, if you did it a couple of times. Yeah, no, it did. It did, absolutely. Um, and, um, you know, I've got a lot, of, a lot of respect for opioids after that, you know. They can take your life away really quickly. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, addiction's been something that's um, really interested me. And, and we actually do, with Greenlight, with our consultancy, we actually do quite a bit of work with helping people um, to to heal themselves of addiction. You know, I've just finished reading a really interesting book written by um, a author called Gabor Mate, um, who's a fantastic writer. He's got a couple of books, but one of, the, one of his books, which is a great book about addiction, is called In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts. Ah. And I would uh, thoroughly recommend it to anyone that's um, um, either going through uh, problems with addiction or they've got family members. Yep. It, it helps you understand um, uh, addiction, the process, why we become addicted to things, because you know there's so many different forms of addiction too. It can yep. be gambling, it could be sex, it could be heroin, it could be, you know, um, you know, shopping online. You know, yep. there are so many, you know, mm. things that, that you can become addicted to. And you know, it's um, it's uh, it's an area where yeah, we, we we get people coming to us for help with that. You know, like a lot of people come to us wanting to get off opioids. Um, and so are they using medicinal cannabis as a way to get off opioids? Yeah, absolutely. Um, they are. And there's also a few other products that, you know, that are unfortunately are not legal in Australia. But one in particular, which is a really interesting product, which is called uh, Kratom, spelled K-R-A-T-O-M. Do you know about that? No. There's a really interesting documentary on Netflix about it. It's called A Leaf of Faith. Um, Kratom is a, uh, it's a tree that grows up in Southeast Asia. Yep. It's used up through Thailand and Indonesia. Um, and basically the Kratom plant's a really interesting one. It, it, it works like an opiate. Um, it so basically- it, So it affects the same parts of the brain? As yeah, the it does. It works on the same neural pathways and receptors as, a, as an opioid, mm. but it's not actually an opioid. Mm. So it can be a really, um, it's basically a powdered leaf and you can make a tea out of it and drink it. And do they chew it as well? No, you don't chew it. No. Oh, well, I mean, you, I suppose you probably could, but I don't know anyone that yeah. does. Okay. But, um, but it's a really, and you, you know, you can buy it legally in America. They tried to, they tried to ban it, but you know, there was such a huge outcry about it. Uh, you can buy it over the counter in, uh, I think you can get it in, in Europe still. Um, but it's, I don't know what it's scheduled here, but it is definitely illegal. I think it might even be scheduled the same as an opiate, yeah, okay. which is just, crazy um but it's a really interesting plant because you can use kratom to um um help you cope with withdrawals when you're mm. when you're coming off opioids 
Um, and is there a, is there a risk associated with it where you could become addicted to the kratom? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, it's definitely got its own claws. But I tell you what, it's a hell of a lot easier to get off okay. than than opiates, and yep. it's far less um, dangerous and um, taxing on the body. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's a lot of health issues around addiction, isn't there? There's a lot of health issues. Be- is it because that when you get addicted, you're not looking after your body the same way as what you used to do? Sure. Yeah? Yeah, I would say so. And I think, <clears throat> well, if you're talking about opiates, I think um, people that are, uh, that are addicted to opiates um, lack, um, you know, it's a sedative. So, you know, you lose your drive. You mm. lose your, your drive for life, you yeah. know? I can't imagine there's a lot of people addicted to opiates that are getting up and going to the gym and going surfing and, you know. But a lot of people say that about cannabis, that it, it demotivates them, it makes them um, lazy, yep. makes them not it, want to do anything. It can, some can, um, absolutely. But then again, there are other, you know, there are other um, types of cannabis products that uh, can be quite uplifting. Mm. Uh, and that's another, that's an interesting sort of topic in itself. I mean. That goes down to the terpene profile. Do you know about terpenes? No. Okay, so terpenes um, um, exist in nature. Terpenes are what makes, um, they basically what creates the fragrance in, in certain things. So, okay. for instance, um, you know, citrus um, lemon is the, the, the terpene for, for lemons is limine. Now, that also exists in, in cannabis plants as well. And that terpene is uplifting. So is that why some cannabis you get is really sweet smelling? Yep. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Some and some smells like, you know, shit. Yep. Some sm- so, you know, that, there's all these different scents that go mm. with it. But like, for instance, there's a, you know, a really well-known, um, uh, stra- they're not actually called strange, they're called chemovars. There's a chemovar of, of cannabis, you know, super lemon haze. Mm. Now, if you have a couple of puffs on super lemon haze, you, you want to get up and go for a walk. Yep. You know, it's not going to put you in the couch. Yeah. Where... Um, um, the, the, uh, the, the terpene profiles in, in cannabis strains, you know, which are referred to as indica, you know, which come from, you know, the mountains mm. around India, um, they have a, a, a strong sedative effect. You know, that's what they say, in the couch, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so, do, they, do they all have the same... Okay, so they, they all have these different effects on you, depending yep. on which ones you, you smoke or you take. Yep. But... What about the effect that they have on the body as far as medicinal, uh, as you know, medicinally goes? You know, does it really matter which one? No. Okay. No. So it's THC is THC it's and THC. CBD is okay. CBD. So the ones that, and look, just so people know as well, you've got a, a documentary that came out a couple of months ago. Yep. I was, uh, called Greenlight. Yeah. Uh, I think it was, yeah, it was about eight months ago. Greenlight. And then I was also in another documentary where I was interviewed, which is called High as Mike, <laughs> which is a really interesting uh, yeah, yeah. documentary about yeah. medicinal cannabis as okay. well. Um, yeah, so I was featured in, in both those films. Yeah, I, I got to watch that this morning. Great doco. Thank you. And, and, and lightened me a lot more on um, the troubles that people are having getting access to good quality medicinal cannabis. Yep. Um, because of the red tape and the restrictions around it. Yep. The stuff that has been helped with the patients that you've been chatting to, is it important that it's, orga- does it have to be organic? Like just going back to the type it is, it, does it need to be organic? Does it need to be a certain strain? Yeah, you know, like- good question. Okay, well, I'm a firm believer 
um, that a plant needs to be grown outdoors with natural sunlight yep. and clean water and great soil. Yep. So does it have to be organic? In my eyes, yeah, absolutely, it should be. Um, there's no reason why it shouldn't be grown like that. Mm. The only reason why, um, for instance, uh, in Australia to get a medicinal cannabis growing license, you're not allowed to grow it uh, outdoors. It's all going to be grown in a confined uh, space. I'm pretty sure that's the rule. But wow. Yeah, I mean... Which makes it more laboratory style than yep. as a beautiful natural healing plant. Yeah, it? sure. I mean, look, you know, there are growers that grow indoors and do it 100% organically. Mm. Um, but, you know, you run into a lot of problems too when you're growing indoors. Well, you're you know? growing without sunlight for a start. Yeah, you're growing with lights. But, you know, if you get a, if you get a mite infestation or a bug infestation into that grow room, what are you going to do? Mm. They spray. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so there yeah. you go. I mean, they did, you know, pesticides are used a lot. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, if you know what you're doing and you're growing, you're growing it correctly outdoors, you know, out, out in the wild, and if you know how to companion plant, you're not going to run into problems like that. Yeah. Um, but wasn't, um, I mean, what do they call when you're growing hydroponic? Yep. So was hydroponic developed as a, especially with, I suppose, with cannabis, mm -hmm. A, you're growing it indoors, so you, it's, it's hidden from the public view, it's hidden from access to people to, you know, stealing your crop, I suppose. Yep. It's hidden from access of uh, the government and the police having helicopters and seeing where it is. Yep. And doesn't it also allow it to grow quicker and more abundant and a lot more controlled? Yep, sure. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, like I said, some, some indoor growers are growing um, organically, yep. right? Using, um, uh, using yeah, all natural forms. Mm. Uh, but most uh, aren't, and yeah, they're using, you know, they're, I mean, what these plants have been grown in, you know, it's just, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, you know, I don't, there's a reason why nature works the way it does, you mm. know, and everything is there for us mm. to, uh, to use, you know, like the, the, the studies now going into, you know, mycelium and mushrooms and, and how intelligent nature really is, you know, should be uh, should be teaching us that you know I mean it, it should be grown naturally mm -hmm. I believe yeah and I only you know really uh, endorse products that are grown you know organically 100 percent yep you know I, like I was going to say there was a, a test done a couple of years ago in the states where they you know they tested like you know 50 products of CBD products that were on the market and I think something like 70 percent came up um, containing pesticides or trace elements of pesticides. Which is fucking scary, mm. you know. When you're dealing with sick people and people with Stick, sticking pesticides into their bodies as well, it's not, yeah. a, it's not a good look, you know. When you're dealing with people with the compromised immunities, you know, you need to give them the best, the safest, the strongest natural form of medicine. I mean, that's what this movement's about. Mm. Don't try and turn it into something else. Yep. And 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 this is what we spoke about before. This is the 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 conflicting stories, I suppose, if you like the. Where, where cannabis came from in the 60s and the 70s, who, who it was associated with, and now we're trying to sort of change the whole tact of it and make people understand that it's actually a medicine. Yep. It comes from Mother Earth. It's got all these beautiful properties that assimilate nicely with the human body, mm. yet there's a lot of stigma attached. Um, and is it the ACT just legalised marijuana? Yeah, you can grow, I think, two plants per adult per household. Okay. Um, but you're not allowed to have any more than 50 grams or something on your, on your yeah. person. 
So I don't know how that's going to work if you if you're a really good gardener and you produce a plant that's got a pound of weed on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how long do you think it's going to be until the rest of the country follows suit with the ACT? Just like in say America. America seems to be moving forward quickly. Canada is fully legalized now. Yep. Um, how, how long is it going to take? Yeah. Well, we were on a good track and there's a lot of people really fighting hard behind the scenes. Mm. Uh, but this COVID, you know, would have, COVID, put, would have put it behind a bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's put it on the back burner. Um, I think there is some solid talk now about um, them completely rescheduling cannabidiol, CBD, yep. um, which would mean it, you'd be able to buy it over the counter in chemists. Um, if that is true and that is going to happen, that's going to be fantastic. I just heard of a doctor in Byron Bay that now supplies medicinal cannabis yeah there is there's uh I, I haven't met him but there is a guy um that's yeah that's opened up a medicinal cannabis clinic. yeah so how does it how does it work with people so if, if you're sick if you've got a tumor growing at the side of your head if you've you know suffering from some sort of debilitating uh de- i can't even say that it's the scotches i had this morning at a clock that's the one if you've got a disease and you have tried everything and you want to get your hands on some medicinal cannabis yep. is it easy for those people that are sick to do it well it, it wasn't it is getting easier yeah so there are now doctors that are focusing on on medicinal cannabis yeah and um i don't know how many of them there are in australia but you know like yeah this this doctor's opened up in byron bay bless him it's you know it's mm. a good thing that he's done yeah um I think, um, but why isn't there a line down the street of people wanting to? Well, he opened get up while the virus is going on. So ah, who fair knows? Calls, yeah. Maybe, maybe, um, maybe there will be. Yeah. Um, he's a brave solo for opening up in this region because most people in this, you know, in the Northern <laughs> Rivers region, know somebody that knows somebody, yeah. and yeah. you know, medicinal cannabis isn't that difficult to find mm. in our area in this community, which is a good thing. And you know, yeah, I've had. I've had something to do with that, you know. Which but there's got to be some differences in the quality that you're getting around the place. Because I, I have yep. heard stories of people who have gone and said, did nothing. Yep. Um, and I've heard people talk about some places they go, this is where you get the proper good stuff from. Yeah. So one thing that is is a tricky thing for the doctors is that you need you need to know exactly how that medicine is going to affect people. Mm. Like when doctors prescribe... Um, medication for pain or for uh, heart or you know whatever it is doctors are all over these medicines Mm. they know exactly how they work what it does how it works yeah side effects how much you need to take all of that when they're recommending a medicinal cannabis product unless they're all over that and they've got a really really good understanding of where that product is coming from Mm. and its strength um i think it's difficult to uh to get to get it right. Mm-hmm. Um, but does that mean, I mean, that's them operating out of the fear then, isn't it? The fear and the unknown and, and ignorant of, of what it can do and where it's come from? Well, I can't speak for these, for the, for these doctors and I, I hope that, you know, they, they're all over it and they mm. really know what they're um, recommending. But the problem is, is that um, 
to go to a doctor and to get a prescription and to be approved, the process costs about $300, Yep. right? Which is a big outlay just yep. to get a prescription. Yep. And then you go to a chemist, you know, whether it's a normal chemist or a compounding chemist, or, you know, there is a bunch of chemists popping up around Australia that have got, you know, the license to, um, to, to sell the medicinal cannabis. Um, you know, they're charging a fortune for it. Mm. And where is that product coming from? Yep. M- most of it's imported. Okay. Which is a real shame because, you know. Which is very weird considering that we have, we have the power and the ability, the capabilities, the abundance, the abundance of, of Australia to, to produce some really good, high quality organic oil. Yeah, we could be the best, yeah. you know. But I don't know. It's, um, it's a real shame. But yeah, like I, I, it's nearly double the price to get uh, your prescription filled as what it would be to buy, you know, through the black market. And that's why the black market exists. Yeah. And that's why it's always going to exist until they, uh, they get their products right and they get their prices right. People yeah. are always going to, you know, look for a better deal. You've um, just touching base again on the doco that I saw this morning, yep. Greenlight, which is the one you're in. You guys help some amazing people. Yep. Like th- th- that little kid, Hunter, I think his name yep. was. You know, Hunter Cell. Yeah, yeah, little kid. Little he so, just turned five. Did he? Because he looked about three in that in the doco. Was that? Yeah, I think he was about right? two. I think he was two when we started treating him. Okay. And now tell me what he he had something with his eyes. Yeah, he had uh, retinoblastoma. So he had. Um, it's a, quite a rare condition that um, occurs. Um, uh, I think it's genetic. Yeah. Um, so yeah, his father um, had had the same condition, um, and basically what it is, it's a. Uh, it's tumours growing on the retina. Woof. Um, so they were treating, the doctors were treating him with, uh, with chemotherapy and um, he wasn't, uh, it wasn't working and he was getting sicker and sicker. And was he losing his eyesight? Yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, and I read, um, I read a story about them on Facebook, I think. And oh, so you got in contact with them? Yeah. Oh, good on you. Yeah, I did. I read that story and I thought, fuck, you know, it's got to be worth a shot, yeah. you know, trying to help this kid. So I sort of reached out. Um, I sent them a, you know, private message yeah. on, uh, on Messenger. And They're probably going, who the hell is this? Yeah, well, you know what? They were actually really, um, I think they were waiting for me. Yeah, great. You know, and um, uh, connected with the, with the parents and uh, Danielle's a great lady, his mum, and we... Um, we got him on. We got him on CBD just to start off with, and then we introduced like really very very low doses of THC. But mm. you know, giving him THC at night, and um, he reacted incredibly. I mean, to look, it. is a lot of that an experiment on your part as well? Yep. I mean, there's obviously there's a certain amount yeah. of knowledge, there's a certain amount of understanding, absolutely. but it's still an experiment. It is yeah. absolutely, but it's a, it's a really safe one. Yep. You know, I mean, you know, you got to look at you, there are the. They didn't really have any other options. The chemo that they were giving him wasn't going to work. It was basically they were talking about removing his eyes. Mm, Jesus. And that was the only way that they, he, the kid could live, you know, mm. they, so he would have lost his eyesight completely. And now he's about five and he's loving life. Yeah, he's lost, I think he's lost one eye. Yep. And yeah, I think, sorry, Danielle, if I'm wrong, but, um, but the other eye's very good. Yeah. But it's really interesting because he's still taking the oil. Yep. And uh, when, he, when he does stop taking it, the tumors start growing again. Yeah. So it's keeping, it hasn't cured his situation, but it's um, it's, it's making it more manageable. It's what well, stopped it. Yeah. But it hasn't cured it. Yeah. And that was the same. I think there was a there was a guy on the doco. Him and his wife. He had 
this cancer, and I, I can't. I think Luke was having a chat to him. Luke, who's also on the documentary that features uh, Big in the Docker, yep. um, and I, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was on the chemo. It wasn't working. He went onto the the CBD and the THC oil. It worked. They stopped it. They found that when he stopped it, same thing. Yep. It, it kept coming back. Yep. I've seen that happen hundreds of times. Okay. Yeah. So we haven't had any definitive proof or evidence that it can actually cure. It's more of a preventative measure, would you say? Yeah, I don't use the I don't use the C word. Yeah. <laughs> I don't never use the word cure. Yeah. Um look, I've seen so many people get get remission. Yeah. Right, which remission, remember your mission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. what it means. Yeah, nice. Um, but yeah, I would I would never say to anyone cannabis cures cancer. Yeah. It it stops it. Yeah. And it can slow it right down. Yeah. And it can help your body um, to uh, to get strong to fight the disease. But um, yeah, I don't you know. Well, because the chemo just weakens the body, doesn't it? Oh, it's just poison. Yeah. It's terrible. But saying that, I've seen it. I've seen it be effective mm. you know i've seen it work you yeah. know but it, it, i'd love to see what the stats are on how many people it really works with yeah and the other thing too is that it does so much damage to the body what concerns me is that and i see this happening a lot is that there's not really the oncologists and the doctors don't really have a plan on how to repair the body after they've put it through that process of chemo yeah okay you know and that's where um you know that's where naturopaths come into the into the equation and yep. you know i think anyone that has cancer that ends up um uh going through chemo and knocking the cancer out that's great i'm so happy for you but now what you've got to do is is get your body back in back mm. in order mm. you know um and that's that's a process in itself have you guys had much um much flack from authorities from i mean i know that was a concern when you did the docker yeah um, because it's putting you out in the spotlight. Like yep. suddenly it's like, this is what I'm doing. Here I am. Yeah. They know where you are. They know your name. Yeah. My, um, I've been really fortunate. My only, um, my only incident uh, with the police was um, when I was living out uh, in the hills. Um, when we first started making the documentary, I was growing, and I had, um, I had a whole bunch of uh, medicinal plants all around the house. Yep. And. Uh, my partner and I were, we, we used to sleep on our veranda outside just with a mosquito net. With shotguns? No, no, we were out in the middle of nowhere, you know, it was so safe out there, it was beautiful. Um, but you know, seven o'clock in the morning, you know, this fucking yeah. police helicopter hovering above the house. Oh, wow. So, um, Commandos dropping out of the sky. Well, yeah, they do that, actually. They did that. There was, I don't know who was growing it, but someone else was growing a couple of hundred plants up the hill. Yeah. And they came down, uh, you know, on wires and, and ripped all the plants oh, out. Oh, jeez. But, um, yeah, so they came down and, uh, and I sort of got up and ran around with sheets trying to throw them over plants. And they're obviously <laughs> looking at a helicopter, probably laughing at me, going, look at this. Look at this up. idiot, yeah. Um, but yeah, so, uh, you know, 10 minutes later, you know, a bunch of squad cars or, you know, SUV, police SUVs turn up with about eight cops. And, you know, I got raided. They um, came in and took all the plants and they, uh, they charged me. Okay. Um, with cultivation? Yeah, yeah, they charged me with cultivation. And uh, they're actually really nice. Um, 
that are actually really nice to deal with. They okay. let me pull the plants out myself. I okay. said, look, you know, I'll show you where they are. Let me pull them out. You know, I've got a relationship with yeah. with these plants. You know, I used to fucking talk to them every day. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I talk to my plants at home now. Yeah. Not, not marijuana plants, just normal plants. Yeah, so I just have to explain to them all, sorry, you know, these, uh, these men have come to take you away. And what do they do with them? They just take them out and burn them and take get rid of them? Take them out and burn them. Yep. You know, and there was... Or do they? Seri- no, no, they did. And you know what? They were all just starting to head, like, yep. you know... Ready to go. Yeah, and it was going to be a bumper crop. <laughs> like, I was really excited about it. Murphy's Law. Yeah, there was a lot of medicine in there for people, you know, and I'd put a lot of heart and soul and money into into developing, mm. you know, and there was a whole lot of different strains that, you know, I was experimenting with. So... It was a real downer, but I've got to say the head, the head cop, I won't name him, but you know, he's head of the drug squad in our area. He was actually really nice and very, you know, sensitive and understood what I was doing yep. and what I was trying to do. You know, I was using that, I was using the medicine to treat myself and to treat, Help people. you know, other family members and close friends. And I explained that to him and um, I ended up pleading guilty. Um, I got a good lawyer. <clears throat> John Weller, who, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. Trouble, give John a call. Yeah, he I've was, heard about he John. was brilliant. And um, I pleaded guilty and John and I, you know, presented to the judge, um, you know, a whole lot of letters and, um, you know, we, we made it very clear that it was, it was my own personal medicine and, um, yeah, they let me go. I didn't get fined. I didn't... So you're not growing it anymore? No, but that's... The judge did say to me as I was walking out of the courtroom, Mr Morley... Um, or, yeah, as he was finishing the case, he said, Mr. Morley, don't do it again. They will find you. Yeah. And so, yeah, so I've, I've stopped growing. So, so can, can I ask, are you on quality control with the stuff that you're getting? Um, I would never recommend a product yep. um, to anybody unless I uh, was all over um, where it's from, how, it was, how it's made, how it's grown, how it's extracted. Like, mm. yeah. No, I'm, I'm all over that. I would never, um, you know, there's a lot of shit out there. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, the, um, remember that a few years ago, I think it was about probably six, seven years ago, there was that whole synthetic pot stuff going around. Yeah. You could buy it from Happy High Herbs. Yeah. And I did that. I bought some stuff and they go, oh, look, this is all legal. This is all great. Same effect. But there's apparently some really full on psychoactive stuff that was going on with it. Yeah. I think... Um, it was sort of designed, um, I think that stuff was designed for people that work in the mines and people that are, you know, that are, are there getting drug tested because it wasn't showing up. Ah. But it wasn't THC. No. It was actually really quite toxic and dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently some people had, I mean, if you didn't have a turn, you were quite lucky, but I heard about some people that had some really bad reactions to it and actually bought on some epileptic type fits, yep. um, bought on some psychosis sort of stuff. Yeah, it's toxic. Yeah. Yeah. Really dangerous. That's just crazy, isn't it? Yeah, terrible. So where are we Where are we heading now? So as we come into 2020, we've got ACT. Okay, the, the world's changing as we spoke about this whole COVID-19 thing. You've got the ACT that has just legalised it. You've got Canada that has federally legalised the whole thing. United States is now delving into the psilocybin market where the mushrooms are starting to become legalised. Where's Australia going to go over the next couple of years? 
Well, I think um, we're always um, behind. Yeah, we are. And we're always, you know, I mean, look at our leaders. Uh, um, you know, we're always, you know, two or three or four years behind. Yeah. I mean, we will. But we're a lot of years behind. Yeah, yeah, we are. But like I said, there's there's some serious talk out there now of rescheduling CBD, which yep. will be a game changer. And hopefully that'll open up a lot of opportunity for Australian farmers. I mean, look, CBD should be priced like a supplement. Mm. It should be the same price as olive oil, olive leaf extract, yep. or echinacea, yep. or any of those things. It's a simple extraction. It can grow everywhere. There is no reason why that shouldn't be available to all Australians. Mm. It's completely harmless. You know, it's crazy. So uh, I think that that's all going to change pretty soon. And it, and it will be available. And I'll be so excited when that happens. THC, it's a, it's a different thing. You know, look, there, there definitely needs to be some restrictions around THC. If, you know, for instance, edibles. You know, if you've got a jar of, like, really strong edibles in your fridge and some kid gets hold of it, yeah. that's going to fuck that kid up. Like, yeah. it's not going to kill him. But, you know, it's going to give him a really, you know, tough 12 hours. Yeah. So all that stuff needs to be, um, yeah, it needs to be... It needs to. You, there definitely needs to be care. Yeah. You know, I. I don't think that they, you know. No, no, I got to be careful what I say here. Um, <laughs> it's um, crazy, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it needs to be. There needs to be care around it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think the whole um, psilocybin or um, magic mushroom thing is a really interesting one as well. Mm. You know, like. That's, um, we get a lot of people asking us about that. Yeah. There's so much interest in it now. There's so much talk out there on social media and yeah. there's documentaries. And, you know, I think um, the research and the effort now that the science community is putting into psychedelics and the healing mm. capabilities of psychedelics is really exciting. Well, man, psychedelics go back so far in history. Yep through different countries, different peoples. They all had some sort of form of psychedelics. Yep. Um, I mean, humans naturally, we, do we just chase mind altering stuff? Is that what we do? Yeah, I think we do. But I think the, the really interesting and the really beautiful thing about psychedelics is that they connect you to your godlike self, mm. to a higher source, yep. a higher power and you know, I think when psychedelics are used um, uh, responsibly and there's respect, you know, to the plants mm. or to the, to the, you know, even MD, MDMA and LSD, you know, both amazing substances when used correctly. Yep. Um, and I think now there's a lot of research going into that and they're showing that, you know, for instance, um, you know, MDMA or ecstasy, um, is being used, uh, there's all these trials going on now for treating PTSD. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. highly effective. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's also being used for counselling mm. and all kinds of things. Um, as as can LSD, it can also, you know, be a real game changer. You know, there's uh, there's trials going on now where they're giving, you know, hero like big doses of psilocybin to people when they're dying and it takes away all the anxiety around their death. Mm, nice. Um, you know, I've, um, I, you know, ayahuasca, I'm, I'm pretty experienced with that. I've, I've, I've sort of drunk ayahuasca. Yeah, I've, I've tried ayahuasca a couple of yeah, times. Yeah, I've had it about 45 times. Wow. Now. Okay. I've had it twice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, I've been doing it for years and it's been an absolute game changer for me. Yeah. It's been life changing. Um, it, does, a, it does open up your mind to 
different ways that the world works, different ways we interact with other people, different ways that we feel that we can be in the world. Absolutely. Yeah. It connects you with nature as yeah. well. Yeah. You never look at nature the same way after drinking ayahuasca. Yeah. You know, um, see, I'm, I'm also the same, like, okay, alcohol is the biggest, to me, alcohol is the biggest drug in the world. It's yeah. the biggest abused drug in the world. And it's a drug, make no mistake about it, it's yeah. a drug. It alters your mind, it alters your way of being. But if you have one or two drinks, you can be socially friendly and you can drive the car and you can operate in the world. Yep. You abuse it and you take it too far and you can become a dickhead. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's the same with marijuana. It's the same with anything. You can have too much of it and go too far and it changes. It's a game changer. I completely agree. I mean, I've heard of people getting addicted to ayahuasca. Yeah, okay. Or the, um, is, it, is it addicted to the ayahuasca or addicted to the experience that the ayahuasca gives you? Well, I don't know. Um, I think probably a combination of both. Mm. Um, there's another really interesting one out there too, which is um, um, 5-MeO DMT. Oh, yes, that's the, uh, the frog. The toad. The toad, that's mm. it. Toads and frogs, I get them mixed up. Well, no, people get confused because there is a there frog. There is a frog. There's a frog, which is uh, the medicine for, for the frog is called Cambo. That's it, and it also comes from... That comes from South America. Yes. The, the, uh, the toad, the 5-MeO DMT... Is, is it's a, well there's two types there's a natural form which um exists uh, it comes out of the toads it's a venom uh, and then they're also making it in a lab but um i don't know anyone that's experienced the the pharmaceutical version only the natural version yep um the toad venom and um yeah i've experienced that a few times and that is just it's the most incredible. apparently it's next level it's the most incredible experience anyone will ever have it's um it literally is like talking to god mm. you or realizing that you are you god are. is god is god part is, of you and, yeah, and yeah. you you yeah i mean it's it actually, takes away that separation between us and them and absolutely. you and god and makes you realize that we are on this earth and we're all one and we're all working um, together to i think what's happened is we lose our sense of touch with where we are in the world yep. and by doing these psychedelics by doing uh, marijuana by doing certain drugs it allows you to reclaim yourself and how you interact with the earth yeah absolutely it reconnects you yeah it's all about connection yeah um yeah it's fascinating i i i, I listened to that podcast with mike tyson and um yep so did i and joe rogan yeah and yeah where mike talks about he loves it well, yeah, I mean, he said 5-MeO or the, the, the toad, or it's actually called Bufo alvaris is okay. its name. Um, it's the Sonoran Desert Toad. Um, um, changed his life. Yeah. Absolutely made him a better person. Yeah. And it's made me a better person. Yeah. And I, it, 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 the only way to describe uh, Bufo alvaris is it's ineffable. The experience is mm. just indescribable. But one thing's for sure, that if everybody had a try on that one, the world would be a very different place, <laughs> you know. We'd all be a lot nicer. Yeah. You know. And that's what we're trying to be, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know. And hopefully this fucking COVID experience is going to, um, is going to bring people back down to earth and yep. make, them, uh, make them think a little bit more about how we live, how mm. we eat, how we farm, you know, how we do business. How we you wash know, our hands. How we wash our hands. <laughs> <laughs> skin off. No, it's this whole connection with Australia and China and all these threats going on. I mean, that's, that's worrisome, you know. Like, 
I think I think the world depends too much on China. Mm. You know, I mean, you know, we need to go. We need to go back and start manufacturing and making our own things in yep. Australia. Um, fuck. A hemp revolution would be great. You know, imagine if everyone... Why hasn't hemp taken off? I mean, there's, there is so much good stuff that is made with, yeah, with hemp that is made from hemp. Yeah, companies are stopping it. The cotton farmers are stopping it. It's meant to be one of the best types of protein that you can take as well. It's everything. It's food, it's medicine, it's clothing, it's building materials. I'm a big believer that the earth operates and gives us stuff, everything that we need. Yep. And... I don't know whether it's because we've decided to take shortcuts or we think we can do better than, than what is there, but I think our body provides us with what we need. Mother Nature provides us with what we need. And we've lost, once again, we've lost that connection with it and how it all operates. And therefore we're looking at external sources for our well-being, to look after us, for our happiness. And we forget that everything's right there. Yep, absolutely. And that's why the whole plant medicine thing is really is it's coming up now you know and people are becoming really interested mm. in it because the pharmaceutical companies they're not um they're not providing you know that many cures you know yeah. they're just keeping it all at bay but you know deep work with plant medicine can really mm. can really you know can be a game changer well man i really appreciate having a convo today that's yeah. unreal um i'm going to stick all the details about um your docker Yep. In the episode notes. Yep. Um, also, you mentioned something else before that people should have a squeeze at, and I'll, I'll stick that in there as well. Oh, that that, the book. There's, yeah, there's so, so book recommendations. Um, um, uh, in the Realm of Hungry Ghosts. That's it. That's the one. By yeah. Gabo Mate. Yeah. I'll stick that in the notes as well. Uh, another good book that I would throw in there um, is um, a really great writer from Canada called Stephen Jenkinson, who wrote a beautiful book called Die Wise. Mm. Um, that's something we didn't even touch on, but yeah, I mean, you know, everybody's fear of death yep. and, uh, you know, not being conscious of the fact that we're, we're all going to die. We're, we're either fearful of death or we're ignorant to it or we just put it out of our thoughts that, eh, it won't happen to me. Or when it does, I'll, I'll wait till down the track, you know. <laughs> or it won't happen to my family. won't happen to my family, but yeah. someone's going to die. Your dog's going to die. Your, your mum or dad, they're dying. Yep. E everyone's dying. We're all dying. It's the only sure dying. thing in life. So he wrote, a, Stephen Jenkinson wrote a great book about it, Die Wise, thoroughly recommend that. Um, you know, and I, I've, I've got so many people to read that book because I'm mm. constantly, you know, talking to people that have been told, you know, they've got cancer, they've got six months or a year to yep. live. So that's been, you know. Um, and then there was that documentary I mentioned um, for anyone that's interested in Crafton. Yes. Um, and that was uh, A Leaf of Faith. Yep. Yeah, a great option for helping people to get off opiates. Um, what else? And there's a lot of stuff there. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff there. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. You're welcome, buddy. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, that's and, good. Um, good, good yeah, and I'll, I'll stick all the stuff in the notes. And if you get a chance, make sure you check out that doco, Green Light. Mr. Awesome. Nick Morley, you're a legend. Cheers, buddy. Thanks. This has been another episode of the Bold and the Beautiful podcast.